0: We are so excited that you're joining us here today on Easter Sunday. So now let's get ready to hear a message from Pastor Nate this morning. Well, happy Easter Restoration Church. My name is Nate Cagney, and I'm the lead pastor here, and we are privileged to be gathering as one church as we preach God's Word, as we are here in Dover. If you're here, let me hear you. We are also in Plymouth and Milton. Let me hear you guys. I think I did, I think I did, well done. And then online, of course, joining us. And today we are celebrating, we're celebrating Jesus today. We're gonna talk about him today. And uh, I want to, from the very beginning, invite you to come back next week and be a part of Restoration Church. If you don't have a, if you're here um, or online or at one of our locations, you don't have a church, then come back, even if you don't believe we invite you to come back. Even if you think you'll never believe, we invite you to come back. Restoration Church, we talk about Jesus every single week. We sing about Jesus every single week. Um, We gather in groups, uh, you know, outside of Sundays together every single week, talking about Jesus. And this is a place where we invite you to find out for him for yourself. So you can come and ask questions and investigate him and participate and just try to figure out Is the things we're saying true, are the things we're saying true? Is the testimony we share? So when I a testimony is when I share a personal story of what Jesus has done in my life. When I share that, is it true? When the people sitting around you, when they share it, is it true? And you begin to see, wait a minute, if all these people are seeing and experiencing the same thing, maybe Jesus could do something in my life and we want to invite you in that process at Restoration Church. And today we're all dressed up, but next week we will look regular. We will look, we, we will look, uh, you know, we will look like we're going to Walmart, unfortunately. And uh, so you can come back and just be, at, be comfortable and to participate uh, learning about Jesus with us. Now, uh, I'm going to... We're going to kind of jump into the word here. But um, when I was a teenager, which was a long time ago now, it was 1996, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to the Olympics that were happening in Atlanta, Georgia. So I traveled down by... Coach bus, Greyhound bus, with I think it was like 40 or 50 other teenagers, and we begin to do kind of a whole bunch of different things at that event to to help the churches there, and to you know, as people traveled to the Olympics from all over the world, trying to help and introduce people to Jesus. Well, one of the days, we were being transported on the bus, and if you've, ever, if, you've, if you've ever ridden in one of those buses, they get the huge chairs that kind of surround you, and I, I was sitting by myself, kind of leaning against the window, and just daydreaming like I, like I tend to do, and all of a sudden, I kind of was pulled out of my daydream as I heard my name referenced in the seat right behind me, as I hear Nate Gagney, so I'm like, oh, they're talking about me. So... Uh, it was a guy that I, two people that I'd only met on the trip, a, a guy that i had talked with a few times on the trip, but a girl I'd never really talked to, and so he, he was the one who mentioned my name, and she said, who's he? Who's Nate? I don't know who he is. And right in the seat back behind me, he began to describe me to this girl in the absolute worst ways <laughs> he ever could. And and so really, he was just, he was, he was, without holding back any punches, absolutely making fun of me. Oh, you know, that fat kid, he, he has a speech impediment, all these things, just on and on and on. And so she goes, where is he on the bus? Point it out. And so I went like this, I'm right here. <laughs> and it went silent. You could hear his heartbeat, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And then it stopped probably for a little bit. He didn't try to, I, mean, I think he tried to apologize because fast forward like four years later, we're both freshmen at the same Bible college together. I think at that point he tried to address it and I'm like, no problem, man. I'm never gonna talk to you again. And <laughs> um, don't feel bad. And, uh, and it, 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 it was, for me, it was actually, it was pretty painful. I, I was glad that I responded like that um, uh, because it made me feel really good. But... Um, but honestly, I, I don't know if you've ever been there. You've heard someone making fun of you. You've, you've caught someone making fun of you. Maybe even you've made fun of someone else and they overheard you and you're like, oh man, sorry mom. And, uh, <laughs> uh, or, 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 you know, <laughs> y- you've been there. It's a painful thing. This morning, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27, and if you don't have a Bible, you can take out your phone, log on to the guest Wi-Fi, and Google Matthew 27. We're gonna be reading out of the New Living Translation, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, the Bible was not originally written in England, Uh, excuse me, not in England or in English, and so what they've done is they have different groups of scholars get together, and they work really hard to translate the 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 original language into English language. And so it's done, different groups of people get together, it seems like every few years, just an attempt to be more accurate or an attempt to make it more readable. And so the Bible being in a, a bunch of different translations is a positive thing, not a negative thing. We use the New Living Translation because um, most of the time it's very readable. So when, a lot of times people read the Bible and they think, I don't understand it, I don't get it, I'm not gonna try again. If you begin to read out of the New Living Translation, a lot of the things, especially if you read in the book of Matthew, it's like a story and you'll be able to understand and experience Jesus that you thought was impossible for you to do. Reading the Bible is not trigonometry. All right, so you just need to get a translation that you can understand. Now, what we're about to read is Jesus being made fun of. And he's, he, he's not just made fun of by a group of people. I mean, they are lining him up. The first part we're gonna read is that they brought a whole battalion of soldiers in before Jesus. This is like 120 to 200, um, 200 men And they are just having the time of their lives with Jesus. They're dressing him up. They're taking turns punching him. They're spitting on him. They're calling him names. And then he gets made fun of by uh, by a whole crew of travelers. He gets made fun of by by religious leaders. And then he gets made fun of and mocked by some criminals. And all this happens. This is, you know, this is... um, in a maybe a, a six or seven hour window before Jesus dies. So we're gonna start reading at verse number 27 and then follow along because we'll, we, we'll skip uh, one portion here, but it'll be right here on the TV behind me in case your Wi-Fi is not working. So starting in verse number 27, it says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered a whole company around him. So this is 120 to 200 men. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. Then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, and they knelt down before him to mocking, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spit on him. And they took the staff and they struck him on the head repeatedly. After they had mocked him, they removed the robe and put his own clothes back on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Jump down to verse number 35. When they had crucified him, they had hung him on the cross. They divided his garments by casting lots, so they took his clothes and sitting down they kept watch over him there verse number 37 above they above his head they posted the written charge against him this is Jesus king of the Jews um to continue reading here in uh, it says the soldiers gave Jesus uh, wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. Again, this is more mocking him, like, oh, you're thirsty? Here, have, here, have some of this nasty drink. After they nailed him to the cross, I apologize for rereading this, but they, they, they gambled for his clothes by throwing dice, and then it says a sign was fastened above his head, Jesus, king of the Jews. Now, verse number 38 says, two revolutionaries were crucified with him one on his right and one on his left. The people shouting, passing by, shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants. For he said, I am the son of God. And then even the revolutionaries, the criminals, the robbers who were hanging on the cross beside him ridiculed him in the same way. Here's Jesus. And whether or not you believe Why he came and who he was, uh, the majority of us in uh, attendance do. I want you to put yourself kind of in our shoes, all right, believing as we do. Here's Jesus, God in flesh. God who was uncreated, who put on flesh, became a human alongside his creation To save us, to rescue us, to have relationship with us, to forgive us, and the response is to make fun of him and mock him and beat him and attack him and to kill him. You maybe, uh, or maybe you can connect and, and recognize yourself as one of these groups of people. If you're someone here who doesn't believe if you're someone here who makes fun of Christianity, makes fun of us, the people who follow him, make fun of Jesus, you just don't get it, you, you could be and kind of be represented in one of these groups of people. You've got the soldiers, some of them battle-hardened, uh, but no-nonsense, blue-collar, uh, just strong, tough, They don't need Jesus to come rescue them. You could be like those passerby's. They were travelers, and and you know right, what's happening in Jerusalem right now is a huge festival. It is packed out. Think apple harvest day. Think Plymouth Yard Sale Day. Think Milton Town Town Fairy Day. I, I don't know what other events they have besides the Ferry Day. It's a real thing. Um, uh, it's just packed out. Think Disney. On the, on the slow days, all right, this is packed out. So people are going back and forth while Jesus is hanging on the cross and they're, they've got their little kids and the little, they're making fun of Jesus with their little kids. Like, don't be a criminal, don't be like that guy. You know, uh, I want you to believe you can do anything, but don't believe you can be God's son and, and like, uh, save yourself. And just mocking him as they go by for, for hours as, he, as he's hung there. You're a guest today, maybe it's your first time in church, really, and you think, I can't believe people are singing like this. I can't believe people are raising their hands. I can't believe people believe this. Unbelievable. That guy believes he's the son of God. These people believe he's the son of God. He's mocked by religious leaders, and that's kind of always a bit perplexing, but um, maybe you know, maybe you could see yourself in this. These are the... Not only are they religious, but these are, are, they're they're wealthy, they're, you know, in our context, we call them white collar, very intellectual, they study, they have an argument for everything, and they know why Jesus isn't the son of God. Can't convince them. He couldn't convince, they see a miracle, they they would, they, they knew it was the devil, it wasn't God, they knew he was up to tricks, and everything he was saying was a lie. Maybe this is where you are. Just, I'm smarter than everybody in the room. It's not Jesus. I've got my theories. I've got my philosophies. And uh, that's you can believe It's fine for you. But man, there's so much more that you could believe in or experience. Then he's mocked by the robbers. I mean, just imagine this for a moment. He's hanging on the cross. There's two guys hanging on the cross next to him on either side of him, and they're like, hey, 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 Joe. Yeah? You see that loser hanging on the cross? Like, yeah, that guy is a loser. Look at you, hanging on the cross. And what is he, I don't, I don't know. You know what Jesus did? He led one of those guys to believe in him. I don't know if he was like, you're on the cross too. And the guy's like, I oh, am. Yeah, and he's like, and then, and, and, and then. And everybody's like, my mom's here. Where's your mom? My mom hates me. And, and, he, and he was able to say, hey, it, believe in me, you'll be forgiven. And the guy said, I believe. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We're all both gonna die today. But we're not gonna be like the other guy. <laughs> The interesting, amazing thing about this is Jesus is hanging on the cross, being made fun of by every walk of life. There's a scripture, one of my favorite scriptures, because it reminds me of what he did in my life. It's in Romans chapter five, verse number eight. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Verse number 10. Um, helps us to understand that when we're we're not just people who decide not to follow Jesus, we've decided to be enemies of God. Verse number 10 kind of explains that. But here's Jesus being made fun of, being mocked. And when we believe and we understand that he's the son of God and he did not have to hang there. He did not have to be there. We talked about this in... um, in the series we were just in there is a plan. He was the, he is, he was at that point, he is the commander of the armies of God. He could have just said, I am done with this. Oh wait, you're gonna put that huge nail through my feet? Ain't happening, change of plans. Uh, Angels, reveal yourself, let's go, let's get out of here. I hear Mars has signs of life, let's go there. Uh, So, while we were still his enemies, He died at the cross. Why? Because it wasn't about, it wasn't about proving people right or wrong. It wasn't about revenge. It wasn't about him protecting himself. It was about those people who mocked him. It was about us. Who says, hey, I've come for you. You don't have to believe it, you don't have to receive it, but I'm not doing this because you promised to believe it or because you promised to receive it. I'm gonna do it because I love you and I'm gonna give you the chance you want it, if you'll take it, I'm gonna give you the chance to follow me and to follow God. If you think about this, we would think that this would be humiliating to Jesus, that he said, for the last three years, three and a half years, I'm the son of God, as he came in on that Palm Sunday, the, the week before his resurrection and people were worshiping him and, and saying, here he is, Hosanna in the highest. Here he is, you, you know, he, he's our king. And then a week later to die. Um, you think, and to be made fun of this way, you think it would be humiliating to him and you would think that it would be humiliating to God his father too. To be made fun of by your own creation, to be mocked by your own creation. I was, trying to think, I was trying to think of an example in our modern context to help us to understand how humiliating this is. And if you're in my age bracket, say so you grew up in elementary school with a video game system and you played video games for you know three, four decades of life, <laughs> and then you've got kids in middle school and elementary school who are all of a sudden beating you on all these video games. It's humiliating. (laughs) This is my creation, mocking me, taunting me, (laughs) making fun of me. (laughs) And I don't know what your, I don't know, my response, I would think God the Father would have the response I would have, and I'd be like, honey, I'm going to buy an N64. (laughs) And then she's like, why? Because these kids need to be disciplined. (laughs) How does buying video games discipline them? Like three and a half minutes of playing 007 on the N64. These kids will know who their creator is. (laughs) I would think that God would respond this way. He'd be like, hey, wait a minute. Didn't I invent lightning? Here we go. (laughs) But he doesn't. Because here's kind of the big thing about the cross about the death, about the resurrection. It wasn't a humiliation for Jesus, it wasn't a humiliation for God. In fact, it was the exact opposite. It was his glory. It glorified him. When Jesus hung on that cross, bleeding and beaten, his skin flapping in the wind because of how brutally they attacked him, It glorified God. It brought glory to God. And Jesus, in that point, in that posture, even with those insults hurled upon him, he showed the glory and the greatness of God. Now, glory is not a word that we commonly use. And there's probably only two places outside of, it's probably only two places where you hear the word glory and you really understand what it is, and one of them's like, you, "You're like, what happened to you?" I went outside. I saw the neighbor in all his glory, <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's obviously a very negative context. The other example would be, if you go, to, uh, a lot of older pastors that I'm friends with and I love, they in the middle of the preaching they'll go, "Glory," yeah. and. Um, and no one knows what that means, but we just all say it. it's kind of like amen. What does amen mean? Amen means yes. So at the end of your prayer, you say yes. <laughs> like, amen, that's what that means. But glory, what does that, what does that mean for us? Jonathan Edwards, a famous preacher, he, he's the guy who wrote the sermon Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He defines glory as this glory is the admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies. Pastor Nate, that doesn't help. <laughs> Let me break it down for you some more. Glo- the glory of God is the everything of God. It's, it, glory of God is every. If you're gonna try to describe all of God's greatness, all of his abilities, all of his characteristics, all of his powers and his thoughts and his love, you can bring it down into one word, The the glory, the glory, it is glorious how you try to describe everything. It is both simultaneously an action and a description. If I try to explain to my sons how beautiful their mom was when we got married, they're never, they're gonna never be able to get it. They'll never understand. Oh, yeah, I show them pictures. Your mom was so beautiful when we get married. They're like, I don't get it. uh, Whatever. (laughs) And not unless. You were in love with her, could you understand how beautiful she was when we got married? And you never will understand because we're already married. <laughs> but when, and, and for those of you who are married, all right, think back to that. You're standing for, for, and just the men will get this. I've never heard of, I've never heard a bride exclaim. I, I stepped into that room and I thought, wow, I get to marry that guy. I never, I've never heard that. But you're standing at the front and they step in the center aisle and it's like your heart palpitates and your knees buckle and you think, wow, that is like the word Glory. Both an action, both a response, both a description. Glory is the dazzling, jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring showcase of God's character to the world. It's all of these things, it's His holiness, His love, His mercy, His justice, all of these things put into one spot. And as Jesus hung on that cross, we see all of God's glory come together perfectly and completely. It's the glory of God on display to the world. At the cross, we see all the attributes of God radiantly displayed, all the attributes attributes of God displayed simultaneously. We see his love His love for us. We see his mercy Mercy is when God lets us off the hook and he put Jesus there because he didn't want to put us there. We see his grace. We see his wisdom. We see his power. We see his wrath. We see his justice. We see his patience. We see his goodness. All of that undisplayed on display in this moment where he's being mocked and made fun of, where he's being spit on and beaten and abused. And when he died, you know, it didn't come without some fair and fair, but when he died, it was an interesting thing that happened that those who mocked him, all of a sudden, it was like someone leaned over, Jesus leaned over from the front seat of the bus and was like, hey, I'm right here. And it just silenced everybody. And I want to read that for you, chapter 27 again of Matthew, starting at verses number 51. said, "And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up a spirit. He, he, at that point he died, His earthly body was empty. And at the moment when his spirit died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And you can read about this. I mean, this was an enormous, enormous curtain. Think, think your grandmother's house. And it says, the earth shook. There's an earthquake. The rocks split. The tombs broke open. Bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and they went into the holy city and they appeared to many people. And when the centurion, this was one of the soldiers, and those who were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. They were just there mocking him, beating him, spitting on him, putting the sign above his head. When all this happened, all of a sudden the mocking stopped and they're like, wait a minute. We probably shouldn't have said that. We probably shouldn't have done that. I just wanna give an invitation to you. No matter what you've ever said about Jesus, no no matter what you've ever thought about Jesus, no matter what you've ever done, while you were still a sinner, Jesus died on the cross for you. This is why we sing and worship. I may be dressed in a suit now, but when Jesus saved me, I was no different than you. And it's not a difficult thing to give your life to him, allow him to forgive you and change your heart and, and to change your life. What we do is we, what we do is we pray and praying is talking to him and we say, Jesus, I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've mocked you. Ask you to forgive me, ask you to save me and ask you to be my God. And that prayer changes everything in our heart. It changes everything in our past. It changes everything in our life right now and it it changes everything for future, for our future and for eternity. And you, and you think, Pastor Nate, I've done too many terrible things. God would never forgive me. Listen, the, the robber on the cross, making fun of him. Jesus says, today you'd be with me in paradise. Yeah, you want forgiveness, you'd be forgiven. You want relationship with me, you receive it. That's why I came. That's why I'm here. That's why he's here now. I want to pray, take a moment and pray. And... Um, You know, Jesus died on the cross, and we celebrate Easter because, <laughs> heck no, that was not the end. It was not just a guy who died. Three days later, as Jesus said he would, he said he used to see me again, I'll be back in three days. Three days later, they, I mean, they couldn't even recognize him because of because of uh, the transformation he had gone through is now he was the, the display of the glory, the cross and the resurrection. Now he's the glory of God on display all, at all times forever. And uh, he comes to the disciples who had walked away from him and abandoned him, he cooks some breakfast, he eats with them, he loves them, he he goes to his family. He went to, as recorded, he went to over 500 different people in the 40 days before he returned to heaven. You know what, I think some of the people he went to were, were the people who sentenced him and the people who killed him to just say, hey, don't feel guilty. You actually didn't hurt me. I mean, you did hurt me, but you didn't hold me down. Do you want to receive me? You mentioned you thought I was the son of God. I'm here right now a couple days after you buried me to show you I am the son of God. God knows you. He loves you. He wants you. Same thing for you. He knows you. He knows the town you live in. He knows your address. He knows how terrible you are at Fortnite. He knows all those things. (laughs) He says, I want you, and I receive you you give your heart to me. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your, thank you for your death on the cross where the glory of God was displayed. Thank you for your resurrection where the power of God was displayed. Thank you that as your creation, when we mocked you and didn't believe in you and rejected you, it didn't stop you. You never rejected us. You never forsaked us. You never gave up on us. I pray for everybody in our services who's saying, this is it, Jesus. This is it for me. I need to follow you. I need to give you my life. I pray as they pray that prayer that I led them through, I pray that to have the courage to believe that you're going to receive them and love them. And thank you, Jesus, that the moment they pray, every sin is forgiven, that you reserve a place for them in heaven and you walk and reside with them now. Thank you for that. Jesus, I just pray as we continue to celebrate today in Easter, God, as some people were like, man, I want to know more about Jesus. Give them the courage to continue coming to Restoration Church or if they're visiting from out of town to find a church in their hometown, to keep investigating you, to find out who you are. God, some of the disciples, even after they heard your resurrection, they still doubted, and they still weren't sure, and they wanted to meet you for themselves. And I know that there's some in here, God, I want to experience you like Pastor Nate did. I want to experience you like my friend who invited me did. And uh, God, I just pray, I they pray that we know what your promise is. We know what you do. You'll meet them, and you transform their life. We thank you for that. Jesus, we love you. And we worship you, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Restoration Church at every location. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We want to sing one more song together. Uh, It's not one we've sung before, but it's titled Glory. And you know what that means. It is wow gone. Wow gone. So let's sing this together.